It's time to raise the roof for our first podcast of 2023. It only took us 26 days in order to do it. God damn it. We need to do more podcasts. So, uh, But yeah, welcome to the first podcast of 2023. Um, we're going to actually try to do things more consistently moving forward. A lot of us are moving and shaking, have new jobs and doing new things, as I'm sure I've told you guys multiple times before. Uh, but with that, we'll bring new content like this episode of which there is a lot of content in the Rays world that has happened recently that we will be talking about. I'm not going to spoil anything, but I'm sure that if you guys have been following any sort of race news over the last couple weeks or over the last couple days, to be honest, uh, you've seen what has gone on. So we will talk about that. We will talk about Baseball Hall of Fame stuff and other things of that nature uh on the pod is me and evan we also have a special guest who we haven't had on in quite a while and we will be trying to get on hopefully as many special guests as we can um over the course of the season but you guys might know him as a senior writer for d-rays bay he has been on the pod before um currently lives out in the pacific northwest i'm sure an avid enjoyer of nature and the like Welcome back to the pod, Darby Robinson. Darby, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing very well. I've been enjoying the nature out here has been very wet and uh, snowy lately, but still enjoying it. (laughs) Still enjoying it, though. It's still good. Hey, that's the most important thing. That's the most important thing. Um, Quickly, how's everyone's new year? I know it's been like three and a half weeks, so it's not really a new year anymore. But like, I mean, it is 2023. (laughs) I mean... As the listeners know, I'm a huge Michigan fan. So that New Year's Eve was almost the worst New Year's Eve of all time. <laughs> if that um if that kick went through, I think I would have given up on sports completely. Um, but my New Year has been good so far. Uh, but um, but yeah, it's good to be back recording. And for sure, Darby, how is your how how is your New Year New Year festivities gone? So yeah, so far so good, you know, uh 2023 starting off pretty strong and yeah, I don't know, nothing nothing too much. It feels like it's just been a, a solid. I had a good good sort of staycation over Christmas and New Year's and yeah, I don't know. It's been it's been a I feel like it's already almost February and that's sort of flown by, but that's good because January is the the month where everything slowed down sort of in a lot of the sports world, but uh, I've been enjoying watching hockey and now just around the corner it's february and pictures and catches are reporting in like a couple of weeks so like good time of year to fly by really it is it is now i mean you know not just um major league baseball and minor league baseball coming back from uh, but college baseball is coming back as well and you know with so many schools in the tampa bay area i'm sure a lot of people are excited for that i'm excited for things that aren't that but um Maryland just so happens to be playing a team that is somewhat near me in Mississippi. Uh, that being Ole Miss, if you guys the, uh, top know. the top twenty five Maryland Terrapins, remember? Yes, that. Yeah, yeah, number thirteen. Sorry, we got to we categorize them correctly, this is, please. This is yeah. like this is unprecedented territory that we're in right now. <laughs> Wait, sixteen, right? Are they? 16? No, 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 no. D one baseball They're... has it at thirteen. Oh, really? Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Top fifteen well, Maryland Terrapins. Not only. There you go. Not only will, if you guys are in the Tampa Bay area, you should be heading over to USF to watch USF Maryland, which is their first series of the year, the Battle of Former Rays, that being Brandon Lau from Maryland and Shane McClanahan from USF. Yes, there was a tie-in. I don't know how the hell that worked, but it did. Uh, And then not even a week later, Maryland is going to play the reigning national champions in Oxford, and I will be going to cover that series. And I am so excited. 
I don't, how, how are you gonna how are you gonna report that one uh i'm writing for um press box oh you are oh nice yeah. nice oh i thought it was yeah. with your real job yeah yeah, yeah. No, 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 oh, no no okay no, no. Oh, no they'd be like why are you covering this stupid series we don't cover all this <laughs> oh right you're mississippi state sorry yeah. sorry yeah but i mean it's gonna be it's gonna be very exciting to watch that because it's gonna be a top 15 matchup hopefully it'll actually stay that way um but i'm i'm really excited about that so college baseball is happening uh, Major League Baseball is coming up, and there's also some Rays news that came out pretty recently within the last day or so. That being that the Rays extended uh, left-handed starter Jeffrey Springs. They gave him a, I believe, four-year, $31 million contract. I know, I forget where it was um, laid out in terms of the details of the contract, how much he's going to be making over the course of his deal. But uh, Topkin reported that yesterday. And people, I mean, reactions throughout the Rays world came through uh, basically over the last day uh, with, you know, people just reacting to the deal. Uh, I want to get both of your reactions to it. How did you guys feel about the um, about the Springs extension? I, I was over the moon. Uh, I think that was, it was it kind of came out of nowhere because I think the conventional wisdom for a lot of people, um, which the Rays don't kind of necessarily operate conventionally. So I don't know why we always try to predict these things in the ways that we think they're going to do things. Uh, but you you think of like Jeffrey Springs and it is a very weird case, right? He was a reliever for a number of years, started out as a, a starter through the Rangers organization, then kind of washed out of that, became a reliever, sort of a journeyman reliever, Boston DFA'd him, Rays make a trade for him and he becomes a fairly effective reliever going into this year until May when he becomes a starting pitcher. And you're thinking it's going to be like a Jalen Beeks type of thing, like maybe uh, once through the order. But then sure enough, by each each week, he was just going four, five, six innings each time out, traditional starter, and did amazingly well. And so you think, okay, journeyman reliever has a breakthrough year as a starter. Perfect time to just pass that hot potato on right now because it's never going to get this good and this is the perfect opportunity for the Rays to find you know that $20 bill in the pants pocket after dry cleaners and then just take that and put it right into the bank but instead this this is a, a zig where where people thought they were maybe zagging and they they ink them up secure two free agent years and potentially a club option for a third free agent year uh very shocking, but also really exciting because I think it means that the Rays don't believe last year is a fluke. That might have that might have been his best season ever, but that doesn't mean he can't have some pretty great years under this contract. Mm-hmm. I, I I agree. I think there's there's big benefits and drawbacks to this, just because like like I think the benefit is we've solidified our rotation for the next two years at least. Um, I think. The first two pitchers who will be free agents are Glass now and Springs in 2025 or 2026. I forget whether or not or which one it is. So, like, obviously that stability is really, really good at the rotation, kind of what the Rays have always had. Um, So that obviously helps a lot. But on the flip side, it just doesn't make any sense just because coming from the front office who, I mean, anybody watched that team last year. Yes, they were injured, but anybody with eyes could have seen how boring that offense was and how stagnant it was at sometimes. And not many times 
I think I think a lot of times like a manager or front office will be like, oh, it's all right, like they'll get going. But this was different because this front office off front office, they realized that. I mean, they publicly stated that they're trying to go out and get more bats and secure them. It just doesn't make much sense to me to give Springs this much money in it also following up what they gave to Eflin. So like when they still didn't make a move to get a bat, like how, I mean that the nine that I'm putting out right now next year, that nine is not terrible, but there's not much debt depth. And I don't know how much we can rely on Bruhan coming up or Luke Rayleigh or, I mean, Josh Lowe maybe, but, and I mean, walls is going to be up there too, but I don't really want to rely on him much either just because he hasn't done much in the last two years. Um, I mean, somebody, I could be wrong, but that's my point of view there. I just think that we spent a ton of money on two pitchers who were, yes, they're, Springs is good. Springs had a really, really good year last year. He had a really, really good year in 2021, but he was really, really good for what he was getting paid for, if that makes sense. I don't know if he's worth this much money when we need, when we don't have a great offense either. I will say, I don't necessarily disagree that the Rays should should potentially look to add some stuff and and have, but hasn't worked out so far. I don't see this deal as precluding anything okay. else. I I absolutely don't see because what it what it how it's set up is going to be making four point five million, uh, and then five point five million over the uh, the first two arb years, right? So it's a little little bit of an increase. I think they. Uh, I forget what the arbitration number they sort of settled on or not settled on. They were going to arb. They they had proposed, I think it was something in the 2.5, 2.6 range, which is fine for a, it, it's a very interesting case again, because he has never been a starter before this year. So it's first year starter money versus first year starter money after being mm-hmm. a reliever. So no real, no real like precedent. So it's hard to like set that up, but this gives him a little bit of a boost next year. Uh, or this year, I should say, a little bit of a boost, maybe next year, maybe a million. Then after that, getting into the free agent years, you're basically locking up a guy for one year, $10 million deals, which which is, again, as we've seen how pitchers, much, much worse pitchers than than Jeffrey Springs, get absolutely huge money, then that's that's potentially a huge savings. The yeah. other side is, this doesn't necessarily preclude in a year or two, maybe three trading him. And again, that savings is now in trade value. This, I think this doesn't necessarily lock up anything. They still have a lot of money to play around with. It's just, there's not a lot of money to give around. So I could see them using a lot of this off season to really try to work on those extensions, you know, maybe try see if they can get Randy to sign an extension, see if they can get uh, some early extensions for, the prospects they do like, like Aranda, maybe even a, a Curtis Mead, who could be, who will be up this year, or even like a Kyle Manzardo, who's potentially a midseason call up if he starts mm-hmm. hitting the first half of the season in Durham like he did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't necessarily see this as a preclusion for anything else. The other thing I want to mention with Springs, I think it's it's so funny because this, you know, obviously the national reporters pick it up and you know saying you know raise. Uh, sign this extension. A lot of fans have no idea who Jeffrey Springs is. Yeah, right? they, this yeah. is the first time they've they've heard of him. Here's the thing, Jeffrey Springs. If you if they haven't been watching, are going to be 
very interested once they actually see who he is because he is he was amazing in 2022 he wasn't a good starter he was a great starter I did a, a, a query where I set the parameters at basically all not above average but in the uh, kind of great category so uh, uh, these are the pitchers that had a FIP less than or equal to uh, 3.5 which is in the 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 good to great category yeah. uh, ERA under or equal to three K percentage above or equal to 25% and a walk rate 6% or lower. There's seven pitchers in baseball that had all four of those things. Their's names are Shane Bieber, Justin Verlander, Zach Wheeler, Max Scherzer, Shane McClanahan, Clayton Kershaw, and Jeffrey Springs. That's the list. Uh -huh. Seven guys and the other six are absolute studs. It's incredible what Jeffrey Springs did last year. And if he can do 80% of that going forward, this is an absolute steal. And it really sets up the future of, is Glasnow coming back next year? What happens with the development of Shane Boz coming back from injury or Taj Bradley or Yanni Chirinos coming back from injury or Josh Fleming? Maybe they don't develop. That's okay. You still now have your Zach Eflins. Your, you have your Jeffrey Springs. You have Drew Rasmussen. You have Shane McClanahan. Somebody goes down. You now have those rookies coming into the fifth spot rather than needing Taj Bradley to hit the ground running or needing Yanni Chirinos to come back from injury and hit the ground running. I think it just spreads it around and it keeps this team in contention. And you hope that that offense comes along and you then you still have time to potentially add those pieces as the offseason continues. Yeah, I'm I I think it was I so I'm taking things from both of you here. So um on Evan's point about the offense, I am disappointed that they still really haven't you know put out that sort of money and or try to put out that sort of trade capital in order to uh, find a bat that would work in this offense because I'm concerned that they're relying too much on the fact that they were so injured last year that when everyone comes back, they're automatically going to be healthy and there's not really going to be any lingering things that might, you know, have stayed from what happened last year, maybe years previous. And, yeah, and I, I don't think that guess that, what happens because yeah. guess what happens. They're going to get injured again. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's yeah. That's it's not smart thinking um, at all. And then also about sports. Yeah. Yeah. And then also to rely on, the prospects coming up when some of them so far haven't panned out. Uh, Bruhan really hasn't panned out in the same way. Lowe still can't hit pitches above 95 for whatever reason. And maybe it was because he was held too long in Durham or whatever it might've been because of the log jam that existed in the minor league system. And walls hasn't been as offensively productive as I think people would have wanted, but you know, with seeing guys like Aranda, seeing guys like Curtis Mead, Manzardo coming up through the system, um, you know, guys like that who have shown that they can hit for power, who have shown that they can hit for average. Um, I wonder if they're relying too much on either, you know, internally guys getting healthy or just guys coming up through the system. And I think that people want to see them maybe not get, you know, maybe the splashy name isn't, you know, going to necessarily work for the Rays, but just to be able to get someone who can hit and who can produce and especially in the power department, because that was something that the Rays lacked a lot last year. But on the other side of it, I mean, Darby, like you were saying, I mean, this is a great signing just, um, you know, of Springs because like what happened with Rasmussen last year, 
or sorry, in 2021 when the Rays were able to convert him from a reliever win. I know that he was a starter at some point, so this was really what he wanted to do at some point. So it kind of was a perfect harmony of the Rays wanting to do it and then him being able to stretch himself out to do it. Now this is two straight guys that the Rays have been able to convert into starters from long relievers that hopefully they'll be able to keep for a longer period of time. And now with Springs getting this contract, that'll allow for that. So um, there's, there's, there's two sides to this, which is the side that Evan's completely right that they, you know, if they were vocal about trying to get offense and they've gotten none, then what was the point of being vocal in the first place? And then Darby, your side of it, which is that, you know, this is great for the rotation because just, I mean, with what he was able to do last year, uh, kind of out of nowhere, um, I mean, think of what he could be in the future and 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 how much money that, you know, how team-friendly of a deal this is going to be, a la what the Braves have done um, with God knows every goddamn player that they have, and they still sign the dumb contracts. Like, stop it. <laughs> and I, I, like, going off of what you were saying about, like, the injuries last year, like, yes, the Rays had, like, a seemingly an unprecedented amount of injuries, but it does seem like the front office is doing the exact same thing as last year just like yes there's going to be some injuries but we got good players in the minor leagues however that didn't work out at all last year and i'm not like i'm I, like obviously it's really tough to make that jump but when you rely that much on them i think there should be some criticism there because i like our minor our farm system is nuts it's very talented the minor leaguers come out now are a lot more power forward it seems like yeah like like and, like we got more of the contact guys kind of to start off but like the guys that are coming through now are a lot more like they can actually hit and they can hit bombs and and aranda did show some promise in the in the majors last year too he hit really, really well um so did master boney but then we traded him but um <laughs> it just it it just seems like what's going to be the difference this year. It's because it's the same. It would be the same thing. It's like, okay, well, like I said, the nine that we're putting out right now, not a bad nine, but if two or three of them go out with injury, I don't want to have to trust guys in the minors to do, to have the same thing that happened last year. I mean, we scored one run in the playoffs like that. Like I'm like, I get like the, the guardians pitching staff is awesome. But that's pathetic. Like that's awful. I still can't believe like, I sat through an entire college football game and still didn't see the end of a uh, of a postseason baseball game. Like that. Like that. I mean, <laughs> I mean that that had like I like I get that the front office was very vocal about that, but that has to be a huge wake up call. I mean, you gave up three runs in two games and you lost both of them. Like that's that's got to be a red flag there. Yes, I I don't disagree with that. I also. I look at that and I say it, it's a it's a balance, right? Because September was really rough. The offense was mm -hmm. super hot and cold. The postseason series was really, really bad offense. But I also, it's two games. And it's like, it's really hard for me to, I mean, I look at in that same, in the same postseason, the Seattle Mariners, who had a huge, comeback against the blue jays scored like what nine runs and in, in the last like four innings oh god the 18 innings game <laughs> they also didn't score for two games in one in one setting so it's like well is that offense terrible or was that a bad game and i think you do kind of have these spirals where it just kind of keeps getting into that i i think the team as it stands is a very very good team and I think the offense has a chance to be very, very good. 
Now, they're in a very tough spot because they have to choose whether or not to stick with or cut bait on some prospects. They also have to balance what's an upgrade and what is like filler, right? So like David Peralta is still out there. Do you want David Peralta more than Josh Lowe? I don't know. I could be swayed either way on that to start the season as like your platoon partner for Manuel Margot. Maybe, maybe not. I would probably take Peralta over Andrew Benintendi uh, with the the absolute disaster of the White Sox offseason, which I, I think two of, the, two of the worst free agent signings I've seen any team make. Uh, Andrew Benintendi is a very solid player, but they gave him a way too much money for what he does. And the other guy they signed is a terrible pitcher who's an even worse piece of shit as a human being. So agreed. And they should they should cut him already. But like that was their offseason. I see the Rays as like, yes, Peralta's out there. You could get you could add him. Is he an upgrade over Josh Lowe? Probably. He's at least a safer floor, but maybe not as good a ceiling. You also have guys like Seth Brown out there. I have no idea what Oakland's doing or what their valuations are. The Rays definitely have enough to trade for Seth Brown unless Oakland is offering like him for a single A 28 year old pitcher from the Royals or from the Rays. It's, I don't know, like Brandon Lau only plus like, you know, <laughs> Tosh Bradley. Like I have no idea what their valuations are. They gave I, away Sean Murphy for nothing. They just gave away Cole Irvin for nothing. Like I, I their internals are wildly different than everybody's external uh, evaluations for prospects. So who knows what Oakland's doing, but like, I'm sure there's been conversations about like that, but like, is Seth Brown that big of an impact? It's one of those tough things where the Rays are in this spot where they have a team where you have to decide like, okay, do you move Taj Bradley and Kyle Manzardo and get a huge upgrade? Or do you say, what can we, can we move Vidal Bruhan who's out of options and try to get like a Seth Brown or a Max Kepler? Instead, Ooh, I'm more on that side of like, like adding one of those guys. I mean, me Minnesota's too. got like 17 outfielders. Me too. They're, uh, they're gonna trade somebody. Max Kepler. I agree. I, I agree. I don't. I don't want. I don't think the Rays need to go out and get this huge signing. I just think they need something different, though. Like I, I completely I, agree. Like, but they might. Small. They might have wanted to do the big signing too. Like I know they were really in on Brandon Nimmo. So it's like, it's one of those tough things where it's like if it's not a big signing or a big trade. Maybe you add it for the depth to like raise the floor, but maybe is that just like shuffling pieces, right? Like maybe yeah. you're getting like a, a one win player out of Josh Lowe or David Peralta and it's just a slightly different flavor. It's, it's a really, it's a weird, it's a weird balance, right? They're, they're still in the spot where first base and right field are question marks. However, most days I would be very happy with first base being Aranda slash Yandi. Or Aranda slash Isak Paredes, who I'm very, very high on. Or Harold, And so too. you have Harold in there. I, I will say, I do think that the next phase for the Rays offseason, this, this is my prediction, is that once you get to spring training, once you get to the pitchers and catchers reporting and you can, you can now add people to the 60-day IL, that opens up the door. Because that's when we saw a Harold Ramirez-type move. That's where you can just like actually move some pieces around and then 
make those trades or potentially that's when the deadline of these trade offers that are being been discussed will get some people to actually, you know, agree or just like get to that finish line. Cause I think we're in this stage where it just seems like there's been not many trades from anybody. It's yeah. been very no. light. This offseason. been very weird in that way. This is but, where the no, Rays... I, oh, I, no, you go ahead. You no, go I was going to say, this is where the Rays... Kind of off topic. Yeah, no, no. This is where the Rays swoop in. I understand that the Giants just signed Lamont Wade Jr. to avoid ARB, but we rejoin all of the Maryland guys on the same team and trade him to the Rays. This is like, bring, bring the super regional team together. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if it's stupid. Like, I take Lamont Wade. I like. He was good Lamont in 2021. Wade. He sucked in 2022. But like, bring back 2021. Still good, good Still good splits. But what I was going to say, like going back on Seth Brown, I do think I'm glad that we haven't made a trade for him yet because I do think that whoever will make a trade for him is going to overpay for him. And I, I'm I'm I completely disagree with the vast majority of race fans, it seems like on Twitter, just like having them saying like, go out and get Seth Brown for all for whatever. I just, I don't think he's that good for like, I just, I don't think he's what this team needs to be good. And I fear that the team, whoever pays for him will overpay like significantly because first base. Yeah. It's not the most solidified, but we do have, I mean, Harold and Yandy maybe, but Yandy seems to be kind of more of a solidified third baseman. Um, he played, I mean, he played a lot, he played a lot of first base before last year, but I think last year kind of, he just fell into that third base role just because I don't think we really had anybody else. Um, but I mean, Harold and Isak are two really good first base options. And I just like, I, I do think that the outfield is more of a concern than first base. I'm not, maybe Seth, I don't know. Can he play at the outfield? I don't think he can, but. He's decent in the um, like he he's not a he's not a huge liability at least in court. okay yeah he, he he's not great but you can you can punt one of them with the with the with Siri just shade him over a little bit more okay <laughs> let Siri cover like eighty percent of the outfield like KK used to. <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah I mean you know it creates a lot of interesting things uh, with the spring signing it it opens up a lot of questions as to um, you know what the Rays are going to do for the rest of the offseason but they still have time. It is only January, um, but pitchers and catchers is creeping up and the season is creeping up. So um, I'm sure a lot of race fans would like them to do some sort of moves other than like the non-roster moves that they've done um, and guys like that. Because I know they've brought in a bunch of guys. um, I know Cole's talked about a bunch of them, um, just, you know, pitchers and other guys like that who have been brought in on non-roster invites for spring training. So. So going through the nine that we have, I'm just just to be clear. So I'm assuming. It's going to be Harold at first, Lau at second, Wander at short, Yandy at third, Margot in right, Siri in center, Randy in left, and then Paredes DHing. Is that going to be the nine, do you think, on opening day? I'd probably say swap uh, Paredes and and Harold, like put him in. Oh, and the, um, and the catcher. So it'd be Lau at, yeah, or oh, Bethancourt, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I'd Lau, say. Lau at DH. Could, you could have Lau DH. I think Lau, it really, it's really, they, they can move a lot of guys around. Like Paredes can play second. Uh, Harold can play first. Lau can DH. Like you can kind of move them around. It's I, not a bad nine. Because that is a good I, nine. That's what I'm saying. Like that yeah. nine is not bad. Because, 
I think it could. But be if one of them goes out, we're just very thin, which is not raised like the hardest. Like. The hardest thing is going to be, I think, the against right-handed pitching. Mm-hmm. Uh, they adding Brad and Lau is huge because that gives you that big lefty bat against left-handed pitching. I think you have your nine like locked in, and I, and I think we just like said that the, those names like that's that's against left-handed pitching against right-handed pitching. You still have guys you, you're not taking out of the lineup. Wander's not leaving the lineup. Randy's not leaving the lineup. Lau's not leaving the lineup. Uh, Yandi, you know, he's in there. Then you then you have like Aranda has a spot. You then have to look at that lefty like corner outfield bat, which I, I still per- think that Peralta. is one. Peralta would be not. Would, would I mean, Peralta. I'm not dying and they get him back but we could get him for cheap and he's a veteran outfielder like and he played for the, the rays, rays do sure also like, like the rays also do like a veteran presence who's like a good clubhouse guy mm-hmm. and and peralta is like one of the like best dudes in like baseball he's like a really yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, he was pretty good team. last year right when and he, we can get him in terms of chemistry when they too. traded for him like oh yeah yeah he became immediately one of the guys like he became immediately like in like with with randy and harold and just like hyper personality guy like yeah. all the charisma in the world so i i mean i i don't mind i i actually think like a david peralta is like totally solid and i feel like if you even re-signed david peralta like two months ago probably there's a little less panic in rick's world um but i think there's a lot of options in still in that corner outfield left-handed bat whether it's via trade or or signing a peralta brown i agree though i wouldn't i wouldn't like I would still like stick pretty set with my price on Brown. I like Brown, but I'm not going to like sell the bank for that. Yeah. I think like Bruhan is like my nice trade chip of like, he's out of option. doesn't really fit here, but like somebody like Oakland should absolutely want to take a chance on Bruhan. Uh, because I think he actually is somebody that deserves like a year of like a lot of playing time to just see what he's got. Uh, and then you have, yeah, you have the twins. I see the twins with, Kepler, I also Tre- Trevor Larnick, like they have a lot of left-handed outfielders that just they don't they can't all fit on this lineup. Like they they have a lot of people. They signed Joey Gallo in the offseason. They just signed uh, Michael A. Taylor to be the backup to to Buxton. It's a very crowded outfield. I love so I feel the like Kepler one of those idea. guys is available. Yeah, I love the Kepler idea. I think that's so sneaky good. And I mean, he's a guy who's hit for pop. Like, like he he's had a thirty mm-hmm. home run season in his career, and that wasn't by accident. I mean, he's a good hitter. So yeah, I you would I also add to the the Rays League of Nations being a, a German descendant. Oh, that is true. Born, born in Germany, so you I, add, I add another that. flag to the. Uh, you add another flag to the. Uh, also the going back going back to matchups when you were talking about earlier, like. That we're going to struggle kind of against left-handed or um, right-handed pitching. Yeah. Um, can can Wander just please get rid of the switch hitter and just and just bat right-handed, please? Like, is there has there any been any, any traction behind that? Just because he's not good as a lefty. Like he was so good in the minors as a lefty. That's what's weird. Like in the majors, he's, he's like been way more. He like never had pop as a righty in the minors, but then in the majors, he's been huge home run power from the right hand side it's very strange it's because it, it's it's like yeah he's not terrible like like in comparison righty lefty he's really bad from the left-handed side but in comparison to the whole league he's not terrible but that's when i'm like dude just just bat righty i like i'm like I, like you're so good for the right Paul side. Cedric mullins and just hit from one side instead of being a switch hitter 
that I mean, being a switch hitter, I feel like is one of those things where it's like you come up being a switch hitter and then you have a huge disparity. It's like, well, you're not really a switch hitter then. I feel like if you have if you're re- if you're really good from one side than the other, it's like well, just like I get that the matchup helps and such, but I don't know. I I I've never I don't I've never understood that. But I I'll give him I until don't hit ball. I don't least, hit baseball. So I'll give him until at least he's twenty three before. Uh, <laughs> okay, I, I make him. him yeah, I guess he's yeah he's still incredibly. Young. I'm still older than him somehow, so that makes sense. He, he's a very very young dude. Yeah, um, but so we do have a couple more things to talk about. But uh, we're gonna take a quick break, um, and we'll be right back to talk about the rest of uh, the things on this episode. So stay tuned. We'll be right back in this latest episode of Raise the Roof. Hi everyone, Alex here with a quick word from our newest sponsor, SeatGeek. SeatGeek is your one-stop shop for tickets for everything from live theater and concerts to sporting events like Rays games. SeatGeek uses a color-coded scale to show you where the best deals are, with green being good and red being bad. If you haven't used SeatGeek before, we have a special deal just for you. Use code RAISETHEROOF, that's RAISE spelled R-A-Y-S, at checkout for $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek. Again, that's code raise the roof for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Thanks so much to SeatGeek for sponsoring us, and let's get back to this latest episode of Raise the Roof. And we're back on this latest episode of Raise the Roof. So uh, I think I might have teased it a little bit in the intro, but if you guys didn't see the the voting results for this year's Baseball Hall of Fame were announced, uh, there was only one person who reached the 75% threshold, barely reached it, by the way, 70, 76.3% of the vote he uh, received, which is third baseman Scott Rowland. Scott Rowland played God knows how many years, quite a number of years between the Phillies, the Cardinals, the Reds, if I'm thinking about this correctly. Um, Blue Jays got in there. I, I forgot he played for the Blue Jays played- until like the blue jays posted like a thing and i was like oh yeah that was like a moment yeah so he played um well, he played he played like half a year in the blue jays playing them he or... played for 190 <laughs> yeah. games with the blue jays or like 200 games yeah, yeah. okay Se- right. season and a half season and a half we'll yeah. take that that's that's yeah. worth it yeah so five seven time all-star seven time gold glove award winner i believe or something like that uh, Silver Slugger finished top five in MVP. Um, I believe his career war was around 70, 70.1 career war. Um, so, yeah, he's the lone person other than Fred McGriff, who we did talk about. Um, uh, he should go in as a Ray, but he won't. Um, but his uh, he is Ray's legend, Fred McGriff. So that is really, really cool to see him go in. But there will be two guys in this year. Or at least two guys. There, there might be some other random voting thing with the veterans committee. Two players, yeah, 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 two two players. players. Um, in Roland and McGriff. So I don't know if either of you saw the voting. Oh, I, I will say before we go with that, just to name some of the guys that are close. Uh, Todd Helton in his fifth year on the ballot received seventy-two point two percent. So he'll be getting in next year, most likely. Uh, Billy Wagner on his eighth year on the ballot received 68.1%. So he'll probably be getting in next year. Um, let's see. Uh, Andrew Jones, 58.1% on the sixth year. Uh, Gary Sheffield received 55% in his ninth year on the ballot. Carlos Beltran, uh, 46.5% in his first year on the ballot. Jeff Kent actually did not 
uh, received the necessary votes in order to get in um, within 10 years. So in his last year on the ballot, he received 46.5%. I believe that was a jump from previous. Um, so he might make it in the Veterans Committee. Who knows? Um, let's see. Uh, J. Roll got nearly 13%. Tory Hunter barely stayed on at 7%. A uh, bunch of guys who got absolutely nothing. Jason Wirth got no votes. Jacoby Ellsbury got no votes. Ari Dickey got one vote. Don't know how. Um, <laughs> uh, JJ Hardy got zero seven votes. Years, didn't he? How many years did Ari Dickey pitch for? I don't like, know. I mean, he won a Cy Young, but like, other than that, <laughs> that's that's a, they, I don't know. Yeah, it's but, a very yeah. weird type thing. But yeah, so Scott Rowan is. Uh, was was voted in by the baseball um uh, the uh the baseball writers of america B- bbwaa uh what are your guys thoughts if you paid attention and or cared evan any could, thoughts? i i don't have much insight on this at all <laughs> i don't i, I don't so, I, I i see the news but i don't follow like stuff like this intensely but i i will say i i there's nothing i i detest more than hall of fame discourse uh, because you get some some of the just the the most uh, annoying discourse in all of baseball is is around Hall of Fame voting. But I I think this year they I mean I'm I'm a big Scott Rowland fan. I think he absolutely deserved it. I think one of the things that mm-hmm. Rowland really sort of earned that it's always tough is that like defensive first guys and he had plenty of power. He had plenty of great offensive numbers. I I just think he played a game at such an elite defensive level. And I think that should be absolutely rewarded. I'm also a big um, peak hall of fame guy. Like I want a really strong peak where like, that is like one, like I, everybody can agree. Like that's one of the three best at X position. And like Scott Rowland for a period was the best or second best third baseman in the league. He had a nine win season. He had, a streak of like four or five straight six win seasons. I think he was just a sustained excellence. So if you were a, a, a legacy, you know, like how large of a career of, of success that fits. But I think if you were like into that peak, I think he had that where you just, he was when he was in the Cardinals, especially that was one of the three best third basemen in all of baseball. I think Roland getting in is good because that's the only chance and again it's a very long shot that evan longoria could ever get in because you have a period i think longoria would need to have some crazy twilight of his years like two really good not like all-star years but like two like fringe all-star years to have any shot but uh i think you have scott Rowland as like at least offers the idea of like that's what longoria was at like a period like at a peak at least so Roland was good I I strongly disagree about Todd Helton getting snubbed I think Coors players this is a similar thing to like the whole Larry Walker stuff wildly discounted for I get it they played in Coors but like if you look at all the numbers that are park adjusted he's still one of the best first basemen like around in his era and he also played during the steroid era with never a sniff of any uh, any roid or cheating and it's like gosh it, he he absolutely should be in the hall of fame and he is gonna go next year i think you're absolutely right like he he's in that threshold of like low 70s still plenty you know still time so i think he's gonna get in 
Uh, Andrew Jones, though, that's that's the one for me that I'm like, again, similar to Scott Rowland, the defensive excellence of Andrew Jones. I can't I, I mean, and it's also I grew up in an era where, you know, I watched a ton of that was like when I was younger watching those Braves teams. And so I think like, well, that's that's a that's a Hall of Famer. Like when I was watching him, the defensive excellence of that, like we guys like Kevin Kiermeyer or now like Jose Siri, we see these just unbelievably amazing defensive plays. And like Andrew Jones was so similar, but he was also so good that he would make plays that absolutely should not have been made, but it made him look easy. He just like glided over. And so I I hope that eventually Andrew Jones gets in. Um, I, it's trending in the right direction at least, but like he, he's another one of those guys where I think defense kind of discounts some guys. Uh, so Hopefully now we're starting to see some of those defensive guys uh, get their due. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see kind of over the next few years, what happens. Um, I think that Billy Wagner is getting a lot more love, but I think it's taken way too long. I mean, he's one of the best left-handed relievers, if not the best left-handed reliever in baseball history. I think you can make that argument. I remember when, when he went to the Phillies, when I was growing up, going to games, when, when he went to the Phillies, he was like one of the first guys like as a reliever um, to, you know, throw a hundred and like for that to be a big deal when he threw it, obviously it's not as big of a deal now, but like when, when, when he threw a hundred at games and like it said 100 on the, on the, um on the radar, like people were like, Whoa, like it was a, it was a big deal. I mean, he not only threw heat, but had really, really good breaking pitches um, and just was a, a lockdown closer for so long. And I'm glad that he's finally getting, uh, some sort of recognition for his work. I, I I really think that he deserved it way way earlier than what it actually is. But I mean, hopefully he'll get in. He does have the boost of having two years left. So if there's going to be people that are going to vote him in, it's going to be kind of in those twilight years of him being on the ballot. So I think that that does help. Um, I think the the whole cores argument's stupid because like. Todd Helton, yes, he was really, really good at cores, but like he also needed to be really, really good not at cores in order to be even considered for this. So like if he was this good at cores field, then that meant that he was also incredibly good when he went on the road. So that's dumb as hell for people to argue that because, you know, again, why would he be in a Hall of Fame conversation if like the only thing that he did good was play at cores field? Because clearly that's not the case. Um, and I mean, we have half your games are on the road. Yeah, it's like, it's so dumb. It's the same thing with Arenado, but like now he's really good in St. Louis, so no one get, cares. <laughs> I 100% agree with your Billy Wagner take too. I, I, I he's an incredible. I think for my money, he is the best left-handed reliever in baseball history. I think you already have Lee Smith in in the Hall of Fame as a as a closer, and I think deservedly so. Uh, but if you've already broken the the seal, right? You know, you have Mariano. You have Lee Smith. So it's not like, oh, there's no closers in the hall, right? That's That was the whole big thing. Like, no DH, no closers. Well, you have Edgar, and you have you have uh, Mariano, you have Lee oh Smith. Oh, my God. So, when Edgar got voted in, I was the happiest go. man alive. I was, I, was, I was campaigning for that man to get in, and he got his due. I'm so glad he got his Absolutely. due. Absolutely. I, I think that's the part of the Hall of Fame discourse that I always dislike, which is like, yeah, this guy was a dominant, amazing performer one of the greatest of their generation everybody in the era all agree that that was like one of the the three best in their position bar none for for five six seven eight ten years 
but I just don't vote for closers. So I'm not going to vote for it. And it's like, well, what the hell, man? Like, this is the Hall of Fame. You don't get to be like, I personally, from the Des Moines Register, don't like DHs. So I'm going to not vote for that. It's like, well, that is the position. Like, if you made Edgar Martinez stand at third base and play a terrible third base, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, if he was out there just booting balls left and right, first ballot Hall of Famer. I get where the closer role is a little different because he's doing they're doing different but there is an important role in baseball as relief pitchers and frankly if you do that at an elite level for every year of your career that's a hall of famer to me so i don't know i'm I'm not a small hall guy and i just i like the idea of a museum that honors our baseball history it's i've been to to cooperstown a couple of times it's phenomenal i i encourage everybody to go uh, up to upstate new york and visit it um but yeah i i would like to you know more plaques right where we we get all high and mighty every year with the hall of fame with like we don't want to put in closers we don't want to put in this person because they played in the steroid era this person played in course the, the hall is filled with like people that are played with you know that played against where when black people were not allowed to play in the sport where the mound was taller or the mound was shorter or the ball was juice or the ball was de-juice or people were juiced and people were de-juiced and back in the era there were people just like popping greenies like they were like tic tacs like the, <laughs> this is it, it's like the entire the baseball history is filled with weird shaped stadiums weird shaped people chaos that's the that's the beauty so of it. there isn't like a thing. yeah 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 <laughs> i mean that's what a, it's like there is no that's like the only one i'm actually angry about because i'm like dude, dude. Like, like he was a stack compiler and it's it's fine but like i mean those veterans committees man they have their own prerogatives because he's in and dale murphy's not in yet i mean that's ridiculous so you mentioned you mentioned fred the crime dog i i also don't think he's going to go in as a devil ray sadly no what, no what he'll, he'll go in as a brave right that was basically his his peak was when he was on the braves right or like the blue jays blue, blue jays was his peak but i i always think of him as a brave yeah, he had Padres because he came around. Like, I mean, when his introductory press conference and there was the fire in one of the suites, and that he hit a home run that night, and that was a big deal. And they went to the World Series in around that time. And t- you know, him being on TNT and TBS because of the Turner stuff. Uh, that's, that's 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 probably what people most know. Him it's for. an interest. He is one of the most difficult ones to pick, like which hat, because there really is a good case for four different teams, uh, yeah. including the Devil Rays, including the Devil Rays. Yeah, I wish it was the Rays was thought. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, Evan, is there any guys that maybe like coming up that you've seen that are coming up on future ballots that you think have a good shot of getting in? Or maybe some guys that didn't get in this year that, that are like lower on the ballot that you think should get more consideration? I saw the the next year's one. There are a couple guys who I have no idea how they were on the ballot. Like, uh, like Brandon Phillips. I have like he was good, but <laughs> like I, I'm I'm just not sure how he's on the ballot. Um, James Shields, love him, love how he's on. Not, probably no chance he's gonna get in, but love the love the um, the shout out to he's he's awesome. I loved he I really liked him when he was on the Rays. Um, I haven't really looked at it yet, but what I what, I was gonna say something when you were talking about closers and how they don't get in. I mean, I think that's incredibly stupid just because i think i do think that being a closer in baseball is one of the hardest jobs in all of sports i mean playoffs aside just going in 
to a road environment with a one run lead and get three outs. I think that's one of the hardest things to do that nobody really talks about. Um, and I think that's pretty criminal that that gets punished, but yeah. You, you give up like, uh, like, like one bad, like one bad inning and you give up like four or five runs that ruins your ERA for like at least three quarters of the year. I mean, look, like at, you, look at Josh Hader. Like, look at, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, he was he probably the most dominant closer that we have seen recently. And he gives up, he has two or three bad appearances in a row and he is like an 18 ERA, like, or something nuts. And it's, it's one of the most unforgiving positions you like. Yeah. And again, it's like you, you come in, you give up a home run, which happened like a starting pitcher, give up two, two home runs, two solo home runs over the course of five innings. Everyone goes, Hey, hey awesome game. Five innings, two earned runs. Fantastic. Pitcher, a closer comes in, gives up one home run. You're like, wow, what a bum. Yeah. Blew it's it. kind of like, a, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a kicker in football. Exactly. Like you go in yeah. and you miss, you miss that kick. You're like, Oh, this guy's done. This guy sucks. Or and you're just, it's, it's the same thing. just the greatest kicker ever. <laughs> well, yeah, but, <laughs> but, and, and guess what? He should be in the hall of fame. Like he should be in the football hall of fame because he's that good. And he's made, but like even he misses kicks. kicks. So like even the most dominant of guys can have bad games and it can look bad, but exactly. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I want to give, so I want to give a little bit of love to Tory Hunter um, only because of that, only because of that situation in Minnesota, um, <laughs> that I that I had a couple years back, where I kind of said like I kind of tried to you know uh, trying trying to think of the right word for it, uh, fluff it up a little bit and say that I thought that he was going to be a surefire Hall of Famer. I never actually like believed that, but I did think that he deserved consideration. Um, I just think that his like you know his stats are good, um, and obviously, I mean the defense it was incredible just one of the best defensive center fielders that we've ever seen um i just i think he's in the hall of like very very good but like not in the hall mm-hmm. of fame um i do want jay roll to get a lot more love only because again growing up as a Phillies fan i like saw him so many times on tv watched him in games all the time my good like the phillies don't win the world series and they don't go on the streak that they have as a team winning five straight NL East titles without general. Like he was the centerpiece of that team, even more than Utley, even more than Howard. Like, I mean, he literally, he talked the talk in, in, in 2007, then walked the walk, had a 2020, 2020 season, one MVP, the Phillies win the, um the, the division, then they come back and win the world series and then win three more uh, division titles in a row. I mean, like, he was the reason for that, at least in my opinion. And another pennant, too. That is true. In 2009, another pennant. Upcoming, just to, to you know, wrap up our Hall of Fame conversation, the upcoming guys that I'm, I'm most interested in seeing, I think they're both they're both in the Hall of Fame for me. I think it might take a couple of years to get there, but Joe Maurer, speaking of the Twins, I think he's a Hall of Fame. Maurer, Maurer deserves to get it. Oh my I think God, in peak, so when he was the catcher, he was one of the best catcher. He was the best hitting catcher of his generation. He did spend a lot of time at first base, which might get him dinged, but I think he still was one of the best pure hitters uh, in baseball for a period. And you already mentioned him, Chase Utley. I think he is a Hall of Famer. Might take him a little while, but I he was one of the best second basemen in baseball during his time. So I think, I think he absolutely, those two guys joining the ballot, next year should be in the hall of fame 
Uh, but I do think they'll probably wait a little bit because, you know. And also Rogers. Captain America is going to be on there too. David yeah, Wright. I'm curious to see. He's going to get some, I think, some support. He's not going to get the love area, because he doesn't but... have the longevity. We are way too short. We yeah, too short, yeah. But... which sucks. But I mean, like, you know, he'll be a Hall of Famer to Mets fans. It's just it, like he's in that category mm-hmm. of like Hall of Very, Very Good or like Hall of Very Good, but like not quite there. I think him and uh, him and I mentioned like Evan Longoria. I think they're in the similar boat of like I agree on a Hall of Fame track at one point, mm-hmm. and then injuries derailed that. Thankfully, Longoria still has been playing, but like it's been about five years without him being that level, and so it's tough. Like he got to about thirty-one on a Hall of Fame track, and you kind of need like thirty-one to thirty-eight to get you there. David Wright never got to play during those eras. Uh, and and Longoria played, but like the plantar fasciitis and other injuries just has like really derailed his uh chances at that. But they're both in that, like they'll they'll be in the team hall of fame, they'll have statues, all of that, which is you yeah. know what? That's sometimes even better. Hey, he'll get his number retired by the race, hopefully. I swear to God, if they don't retire his number. Nope, nobody's ever nobody's ever worn it since. So I think Yeah, I, I mean that's, I mean that would uh, that would be a detriment to the Rays if they don't retire him because he, I mean, you know, and, and I think the same thing with Kiermaier. I think both of them, you have to retire their numbers. I'm sorry. Like, I understand Kiermaier wasn't, like, the most, like, you know, crazy physical player ever. But, I mean, dude was there for a decade. Won platinum glove twice, if I'm not mistaken. Gold glove multiple times. Was, you know, a fan favorite, the backbone of the team in, in so many different runs. I mean, it, 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 would, it would be childish for them not to retire both their numbers. The new stadium will have a uh, big bronze plaque, them making a crazy jumping catch, and then, but like the eyes will be like a bright, like green. It'll be <laughs> the creepiest statue everybody's ever seen. Nobody, it'll just scare children. I, Everybody I will hate that. it. I don't. It's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> it'll be immediate, <laughs> immediate design failure. But they, it's, it's going to go in. They, they should do. Um, they should do like a bronze statue of the relay. Mm. Have like have like him in the outfield, and then Adamus, and then um. Uh, Darno, yeah, I think that that I, would be cool. I think that's such an underrated play. Kids, kids center. Here's a free. Here's a free pitch for the uh, the developers. A kids center zone, right, where you have to like be. You're the Adama. You have to play Willie. So you get like a. It's like a like you feed the ball. It gets oh, shot that would to be you. Sick. That would and you be have sick. to throw and hit to the the target. Oh, that would be really cool. I like that. There you go. Free, oh. free of charge. I just want to get. I just want to get uh, free fast pass. To the front of that line when it opens. I mean, honestly, it'll probably be him making the catch in Baltimore, where like he made the uh, the trout s catch. One uh, of one of the one of the prettiest yeah. catches, unbelievable, unbelievable yeah. aesthetics. Oh, yeah, so nuts. yeah. But speaking of speaking of of more Rays stuff and you know, ballparks and things like that, I'm sure you guys saw the Rays announce over the last couple of days that Fan Fest will be returning to Tropicana Field. Uh, it is a little bit weird, though, because they said it was going to be on February 18th, and then people tried to get the free tickets, and then the free tickets said February 8th. So don't know what the hell is happening there, but the Rays better fix that because it's like two weeks, three weeks out. And like if nothing gets fixed, issues. <laughs> because people have been clamoring and wanting FanFest to come back for so long now. I know it didn't happen in 2021, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, it didn't happen in 2020 due to COVID. Or, I mean, no, it actually might have happened early in 2020 just because it does happen in February. So, at least not in 2021. So, it is returning. But 
Um, I know a lot of race fans are going to be excited for that. There should be most of the things that were there before I would hope return. Um, I won't be there, unfortunately. Uh, I wish I was there. Uh, but, you know, again, things returning back to normal for the Rays. Fan Fest is a good thing to have uh, um, for, you know, even people that aren't Rays fans to be able to go there and experience it. I think that's a really, really good thing moving forward for the team, and they better keep it because it would be dumb to not. Um, along that, uh, along those lines, I know it was the logo was already released like a while ago. So, like, when the Rays put it out on Twitter, people were like, oh, yeah, it's a thing. But, like, we already saw it. Um, the, the 25th season of the Rays is happening this year uh, The in the 2023 season. Uh, the Rays, I guess, like, officially released the logo for the 25th anniversary season. But, like, everyone already kind of saw it. So it wasn't really as cool. But, I mean, like, the logo is still sick, which is awesome. They'll, I mean, as you do in commemorative seasons, there will definitely be a commemorative um uh logo that's put on baseballs that that the Rays use at home games so if you guys are going to the trot for a home game uh try to find a way to get one of those because that'll be a cool keepsake to bring home um they'll, they'll definitely have some sort of a decal on the side of their hats and on their jerseys um uh we'll see kind of how that plays out and then I'm sure there'll be a bunch of 25th anniversary merch that the Rays will shove down people's throats and will milk the cash cow until the um uh until the milk runs dry so and I will buy it. And I will. <laughs> yeah. And we will all buy it. <laughs> it's just more of just like, we all know what's going to happen. So why, why try to speculate on it when, when we already know that this is going to exist moving forward. Yep. But yeah. Uh, so a lot of exciting things there. Oh, wait, sorry. I was saying, I think this is going to be an interesting fan fest too, because coming what Monday, the mayor of St. Pete selects, their his choice for the development of the trop uh land so like you could potentially have i feel like there's a lot of things in motion where the 25th anniversary at least i'm hoping uh elijah flewellen posted uh some cool mock-ups of what it would look like to have actually tampa bay those were jersey those were so absolutely awesome get rid of the gray though Get rid of the gray, make the gray well, white they, jerseys, and that are. would be they, so and cool. And that's the, that was the big thing, right? There are no no more gray jerseys this year. Yeah. So I do feel like they need another oh, jersey God. though, because they already said no grays. So I feel like they need another one. I'm, I'm have, pretty sure they're bringing blue, back um, dark blue, Columbia blue, and then the whites. Well, uh, well the, I mean, to bring it back. Not, um, not many things in baseball piss like me off. What jersey now? What, sorry, what were you saying? I, I said to bring it back. The double rays jersey is like an actual alternate jersey. Yep. So like so 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 that'll be the fourth one. So they'll wear that like like ten to fifteen home games a year. But like that's no longer like a Devil Rays Day type thing. It's like an actual alternate jersey. Oh, so not just the Sundays. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. Th- there are not many things in baseball that make me more mad than gray jerseys. Because there is not a single gray jersey that is like somewhat attractive. Or like, at all. like or I like cannot Arizona's stand gray jerseys. I can't like stand that. gray jerseys. <laughs> they're like I'm sorry. They're just so ugly. And th- I'm glad that we finally got rid of them because I do think it's cool that they've that that they've done away with it and are going to go with navy and then they'll find a way to integrate all of the rest of the stuff in there. Uh, Darby, I do want to say on the on the St. Pete stuff, the entire and we've like I don't you know I, we 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 won't go too far into the stadium discourse, but the the entire situation of this just pisses me off because I, I feel like I'm at the point now where Rays fans are just 
basically getting drawn into something only for it not to happen and then for them to go back to where they were before and then for them to get drawn back in again like it's been over the last 10 years and nothing's going to change because nothing's changed and it's the exact same thing that we've all been clamoring for and it's just like at this point people are more pissed off about the fact that like they keep getting roped in and then, you know, it's like, you know, it's like roped in and then it doesn't happen and then roped in and then it doesn't happen. I think people are more pissed off with that now than them actually getting a stadium. Or at least that's how I feel, because like, I'm just I, I like, I just e- either come up with something or don't come up with something. Because at, 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 at this point, like, who gives a crap where the hell the stadium is? People, people just want a new stadium. It's just mm-hmm. the way that everything hey, I, is hey, I, I care where the stadium so, is. I mean, yeah, but it's just, it's more of just like the the front office isn't necessarily I, I I don't know. Just that side of it is just angering me where it just seems like people are getting let in and then not let in and then it's going back to the it's it's just like a, a continuous cycle that that people want to get out of. Especially when you're trying to get people into the team. The way to not do that is to make them like frustrated with you. Yep. Like I completely get that. But I mean <laughs> That has been that is a lot of being a race fan is getting roped in and then not I mean that goes across the board whether it be stadium stuff. Hey, we talked about that free, with Lindsay, didn't we? <laughs> whether it be like signing free agents, you get in really close and you're like, oh, we might actually get this guy, and then it doesn't happen. Sometimes better than not because honestly, one of the most famous ones was probably Ozuna, and good lord, thank the lord we did not sign that guy. Well, sometimes you pull a dog. Also, a role <laughs> yeah, Chapman. No that was remember they got linked to Chapman and Kimbrel. Kimbrel, that was the one, not Chapman. Kimbrel. They oh, were linked yeah, to right. Kimbrel on a trade at the deadline, and then an off season. That was like the same both day times, as Luna too. Both times, big bullet dodges. And I, I totally, I totally agree with that sentiment. And I totally agree with that sentiment with for a lot of race fans, not like kind of believe in it when they see it. And I think that's why I will say I, I have a similar feel, like a lot when it came to the whole like split city stuff or split season type of thing, I, I, the entire time I was steadfast in saying that this is a negotiation tactic. This is all, all a Fugazi. There's nothing here. And we're just going to get to a point where it's going to try to draw out more money from the local uh, governments. And eventually, Oh, look at this. It, 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 it kind of fell apart. Now, suddenly St. Pete is opening up the wallets and all of these developments have a stadium component to it. Some crazy, big, expensive, nice new stadium. I think that's, I think what you're seeing is right now, the Rays trying to play off Tampa as well. I think we're now circling in on a Tampa Bay area build. And it's just a matter of which, who opens the pockets, which side of the Bay gives more money gets to that maybe 50% of the build and what's the, the, what's the sweetheart deal. And when that happens, once there is like an agreement, once there's actual, like, this is the land that we're giving to you. This is the build. These are the terms. That's when I see the Rays kind of making a big push towards being like, here's the stadium. It's not a speculative thing. Like the Ebor one where it's needed. You needed to get land. Like you needed to actually get purchased land, which never came about. That's a harder thing. Right now, I I, I firmly believe what'll happen, and I know it's going to piss people off. It's going to be in it's going to be in the trop site, so the location's going to be the same, and I think it's going to be tied into what 
Oakland kind of tried to do, but like kind of really didn't want or what Oakland city wanted to do, but the Oakland A's didn't want to do, which is tie in the development to even a bigger project. Right. So you have like a stadium that's going to cost like one to 1.5 billion, but it's going to be a like three, $4 billion project that also includes housing and parks and transportation and like, et cetera. Bars so it's not going to be just bar. Yeah. I think, like, I think like, everybody like wants Atlanta. to be the truest. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it's going to exactly. be truest. They want to create a social area rather than a barren wasteland, which is what it is right now. Which is, I mean, I think that's a step, but does that help that much? Cause I mean, I've always been a firm believer that it's not the trop it's location. So I I don't know how much like a new stadium in the same place will actually help. Yeah, sure. It might it'll help publicity, I think, and it might help free agents want to come play in like a nice stadium instead of coming to play mm-hmm. in the drop. But I don't know how much that'll help our attendance issues. I definitely don't think it'll have like that huge impact. Like I don't think the Rays go from bottom five to like top ten, but I think it could see a better corporate ticket sales, which will raise the floor. So you're getting like. 10,000 seats sold, whether they're filled or not, it's boxes and and seats that are sold to different groups that they have, like a lot of teams have. So now you have your day attendance is 18, 19,000 with like maybe six, 7,000 like no shows, but it doesn't really matter. It still will have those tickets sold instead of day gates. And I, and I also think having a, a nicer area will help that. But I think it also, it'll come down to transportation. It'll come down to city. Like, how do you get people across the bay? Is there a water taxi? Is there some better public transportation? Because as it stands with the car traffic and the bridges, that's still going to be the main issue. That's still going to be the main barrier. So I think a smaller stadium than the, the TROP will help because it'll make it feel bigger. I think the corporate sales would increase the floor. And I think having an area that, you want to go to to hang out and then hopefully eventually better public transportation and housing nearby will kind of help raise that floor some more. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't fix the things, but it would, it would move the rays forward enough that stadium attendance wouldn't be like the big issue. It'd be more just, you know, cause how, not how much, best, but like, I know this is, I know you were kind of guesstimating just in terms of like three to 4 billion. How much do you think the public transportation would be of that? Cause if, if it's us like, a fourth oh, or maybe like even a like a third project, of that probably the public transportation would probably be a separate project but like oakland was trying to do something similar where it was like a three to four billion and i don't know what any the raise projects are are i think let well i'm not sure sure they're less than that but oakland's one that the city tried to push was like a three to four billion dollar project that included um sort of like expanded bus and um metro routes plus housing with i think over 50 percent uh affordable plus like green areas and and other things like that um obviously oakland owners are have no interest staying there they're clearly trying to get out of there i don't think that's the same with sternberg i i do not see him trying to get out i think he actually likes that market i think oakland hates their market because san francisco giants dominate it and I, they want to go to, they clearly want to get out of there. And so I don't think they've ever really operated in good faith to stay there. But I think that that project that Oakland pushed forward, which is kind of similar to the truest like city, like, you know, create a city in the middle of the burbs, um, an entertainment city, basically. I think that's a similar vibe. So I don't, none of the things have any transportation in the plans, 
which which is a bummer. I think that's something that would come later, but it would be the idea that like if you have a place where people are there's parking, there's food, there's bars, there's there's clubs and there's apartments, eventually you would need to create roads or public transportation that helps funnel people to that area. Right now because there's nothing there, it's not as big of a need on the city, but it's something that like okay, we have invested this. So in a future election, it's not that hard to get more. Gotcha. Because I was I was thinking, I was like, if it's, I mean, I would assume that if they had a, like a public transportation, what you said, like a water taxi or something to get people from Tampa to St. Pete easier, I would assume that St. that Tampa would have to pay for some of that. And why? What's that? What's from? What's them from just saying, oh, then we'll just if we have to pay so and so money for this. I know a stadium and land would be way more money than that. But what's stopping them from just being like, all right, we'll just get, we'll find land here for you then. Oh yeah. No, that, that's why that type of thing is like one of those, that's like a many years from now yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. Cause that's a, that's its own sticky politics of two very close cities. I know Seattle and Tacoma have similar issues when it comes to sharing public transportation. Two close cost, cities so. who don't feel that close, unfortunately. Yeah, sadly. It is what it is. But I mean, somehow Minnesota keeps getting popped up here because that's also another one of that too. Hey, shout out, yo, shout out Minnesota, man. Minneapolis and St. Paul. Yeah, too bad for the Vikings, though. They got their ass kicked by the Giants, but it's fine. I don't uh, feel bad I mean... for them at all. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm a char- I'm a Chargers fan, so I don't feel bad for any other NFL team because <laughs> Evan's going through, but it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. We'll all make it through. Um, but yeah, I think with with everything being said, I think that concludes things in this latest episode of Raise the Roof. We appreciate all of you guys tuning in. Darby, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, where can people find you at on social media if they haven't or find your work? Yeah, you can still find me on draysbay.com. You can find me on Twitter at, at Darby underscore Robinson. And on the D-Rays Bay podcast, listen to Who's On Worst. We're doing great, bad baseball movies. And uh, up next, tomorrow, I think we're recording a Million Dollar Arm our review of million dollar arms. So uh, check out the back catalog of who's on worst on the D race Bay podcast, wherever you get podcasts, wherever you're listening to this, you can also search for that. And hear yes, me. do that, do that for sure. Um, yeah. So if you guys, you know, don't follow what we're doing here at raise the roof, raise the roof TV on all of our social media accounts. We're going to try to get things going a lot more. I'm sure you know, a lot of you guys follow us on Twitter, but we're going to try to get things going a lot more consistently across um, our feeds and with the podcast we're going to try to do that as well so with that being said thank you guys so much for listening to this latest episode of raise the roof and as always raise up thank you darby and raise up thank you guys